Hi everyone, welcome back to the Wild Room Podcast. I am back from my hiatus with episode 13 featuring Ayana Leong. Ayana is a badass abortion advocate who runs the Brooklyn chapter of Shout Your Abortion. Shout Your Abortion is a movement that was started through social media to encourage people who've had abortions to share their stories. It's aimed to normalize abortion and create a safe space to share experiences. It's super powerful and inspiring, and I think it's so, so important. We need space to share our stories. Abortion is a standard medical procedure. In fact, it's one of the most common ones. Um, One in four women will have an abortion before age 40, and as we talk about in this episode, it's statistically impossible to not know someone who's had an abortion. So let's please make this topic less taboo. Ayana shares her own abortion story in this episode, and we talk about how she got involved with Shout Your Abortion and why it is so important to keep these movements alive. We really can inspire change if we just keep pushing for it. I hope you all like this episode. I love talking to Ayana. Um, It did take three times for us to make this episode a reality, um, but I'm so glad we made it happen. And thank you so much, Ayana, for your patience and your willingness to continue doing this with me. Um, Get in touch with her about getting involved with Shout Your Abortion and donate to NIAF and Planned Parenthood. You should also watch Trapped, um, which we didn't talk about in this episode but had in previous recordings. Um, But it's a really great documentary on the way that laws are making it nearly impossible for people to get abortions in some more conservative states in this country. So although we do have technically access to abortion, don't be fooled that it is uh, easy to get. It's really, really not. And it's been, you know, dangerously hard to get for a lot of people and a lot of people in this country. Um, in New York, we talk about this. We're pretty, we're pretty lucky and kind of um, in a bubble of what we have access to. So understand that it's not that way for everybody. And abortion is still a topic that we need to be fighting for. Um, Check out the links in the show notes for more information, and please feel free to reach out and tell me how you feel. Love you all. Enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. So I want to start off and just talk about what you do and who you are, if that's okay. Yeah, um, so my name is Ayana. I am a native of New York City. I've never lived anywhere else, um, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, (laughs) And I uh, do work, I mean, it's unpaid. It's just volunteer work um, with Shout Your Abortion. Um, We're a, a national, actually, I guess international, but mostly domestic um, network. It's like a decentralized network of individuals and collectives who are sharing abortion experiences um, and and providing forums for other people to do so. Um, The goal of it being to change the conversation surrounding abortion and kind of center it around the the people who actually have those experiences. And Shout Your Abortion was founded in 2015 by a woman named Amelia Bonnell. Um, She and um, her friend, who's a fairly well-known writer named Wendy West, um, basically started this, like, social media call to action via the hashtag Shout Your Abortion. And they were encouraging people to share their abortion experiences publicly. Um, and it got a lot of media attention. There was like an article written in the Times about them, and that <clears throat> led to um, a call to action uh, that took place that uh, late fall. Um, was that was through the I New York Times? Sorry, what what was that? That was through the New York Times that they did. Um, no, that was just sort of how they got more attention. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But that sort of culmination of all of this attention led to um, led to Amelia doing like a national call for action that was to take place on January 22nd, 2016, which was 
I think that was the 43rd anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And that was how I found out about it, um, was through this call to action, asking for people in every city or town across the country to, on January 22nd, have a conversation about abortion. Um, It could be a public event. It could be, you know, there were film screenings, there were gallery shows, um, panel discussions, parties, um, private conversations. Um, But, you know, the goal was to have people sort of um, report that they were having these conversations from all over the country. And I got together with two women that I met through this, um, like, secret feminist Facebook group, um, which is how we all found out about the call to action. And it ended up being, like, a way bigger event than we had even initially planned, um, which was great. Uh, And we worked really well together as organizers. Um, We published a zine um, that featured stories from maybe a dozen or so contributors from all over the country, people sharing their own abortion experiences, um, as well as we reprinted some um, stories from like the first abortion providers who could legally provide those services after Roe v. Wade, um, which was like a series of interviews that were printed in New York Magazine. And we just, I mean, we just reprinted them. Um, we tried oh, so asking New York Magazine for permission and they didn't give it to us. They just didn't respond. So, you know, we credited them. Yeah. Um, those must have been, I, I would love to read those actually. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I would love to give you um, a copy of the, the zines if you don't, I'm not oh, sure yeah. if you have any of them. I don't actually. I would love to have them. Yeah, yeah, I'll totally give you some. Okay, um, awesome. So so we released this scene and then we're like, oh cool, let's uh, let's do a and the initial plan was just to do like a fundraiser for NIAF, which is the New York Abortion Access Fund. Mm-hmm. They provide funding, um, financial assistance to people who can't fully afford um abortions. Um, you know, they can help set up uh funding to pay for travel expenses you know a lot of people do have to come fairly far to get abortions um even within the state um and then yet helping to pay for the procedures themselves um so we had this big like party there was music i got like some beer donated um a lot of people like made and donated food um we had a bunch of different like organizations and local groups tabling so like blue stockings had a table so did planned parenthood um so did NIAF um and there's a few other groups that I can't remember um and some local artists and then yeah we also released the zine we um had people reading their stories um you know some contributors uh were able to make it and wanted to read. And then we read a few of them um, with the permission of the authors. Um, and it was like such a huge success for us. And um, we have been, we've made two zines since. Um, we've hosted two film screenings, one of which also featured a panel discussion with um like the head of research for Guttmacher, um, which was real cool. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And yeah, and we when we can, we table at events and stuff. I mean, it's really at this point, it is literally just me and my friend Laurel. Um, so we do what we can when we can. And you know, we're we're pretty good about recognizing our own limits i think um, yeah because i mean shout your abortion seattle you know the national network has you know multiple people but us being the like very small two-person brooklyn chapter you know we just do what we can within our means um as as time allows for it um you know we'd like to do more but that's also not realistic do you guys have anything in the works at all um, yeah, actually, um, and I think that this has maybe happened since the last time that you and I talked. Um, yeah. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're working on a collaborative zine with the New York Abortion Access Fund. Um, they awesome. have this really awesome 
woman he does actually I'm not sure what she does I think she maybe does like event coordination um and is just you know a volunteer for them her name's Maddie um she contacted us and was like hey I would love to do a zine with you guys um and it's so we're just reprinting I mean our contribution to it is a little bit of our own writing um but reprinting like three or four stories that we um chose from our three previous zines Mm -hmm. um and maddie's doing a lot of writing and i guess the sort of overarching theme of this zine in particular is sort of like about the the power of of storytelling and story sharing and you know, how can story, how can sharing your experiences actually help, um, you know, influence a movement or, or cause some political change? Um, and I guess sort of like looking at the connections between sharing our personal experiences in the political sphere. Yeah. Oh, that's um, and- a great idea. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, so it'll be, you know, there's only so much that you can fit into a zine. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, that is going to come out in August. We don't have a set date for the release yet, but I'll definitely let you know when. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, that's so yeah. great. I think that's such an important thing to have. Yeah, and it's definitely something that, like, I've been interested in thinking about or, 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 or writing about. Um, and I guess now I don't actually have to do it. Someone else will do it, but because <laughs> Matt is going to handle a lot of the writing, but it's cool that we'll all be able to help, you know, contribute to something that kind of like scratches an itch that I've had. Yeah. I think you um, mentioned that this was kind of an idea you had actually last time that we spoke. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so why why zines? I think that's an obvious one, but for I don't know. Yeah, zines are really accessible to most people. Um, so Laurel and I like both grew up in and around like different punk scenes and activist circles, and you know the zine is a really like common. Um, tool yeah. in both of those areas. Um, you know, ideally you don't pay for them. You know, you find somebody who has institutional access or who works in an office who can handle all of the printing for you for free. Um, and then you can either give them away for free or, you know, you sell them for very little money. In our case, you know, we have a suggested donation of $5 per zine. You know, the all of that money goes either, you know, we take a little bit of it to cover potential printing costs because we do sometimes have to pay for stuff ourselves. Yeah. That's Um, the hardest part. I feel like. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are other like really small miscellaneous operating costs that we have, like, Oh, buying a cab to an event so that we can actually like fit all of our stuff and not have to carry it on the subway. Right. Um, (laughs) And then the rest of it goes to the New York abortion access fund, like 85% of whatever proceeds we earn go to the New York abortion access fund. Awesome. Um, and, you know, it's not much. We maybe only end up being able to donate, you know, in total, depending on how many events we do, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year, but it's, you know, it's small and it's something. Totally. That's great. Um, yeah. Any, any bit is important. Yeah. And then the other cool thing about a zine is that once somebody has it, they can take the staples out and make copies and redistribute it. Right. Um, which is something that you don't, you know, you can't do that with books um, unless you have the PDFs. Um, yeah. Do you give out the PDFs of the zine as well or is it all? Um, um, we don't because the PDFs are not formatted for computer viewing. They're entirely formatted for printing, which is which is different. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I would actually, I would like to one day sit and make a PDF for like online viewing, but it's just not something that I've had time for. Yeah, that's a um, big undertaking, that, but that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
But if anybody wants PDFs to print their own, I'm happy to send those along. Okay, cool. I will I'll let people know again about that because it would be great to have those circulating some more. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I actually, I mailed some zines to, I mean, and this is just sort of demonstrative of like, why are zines so cool? Um, someone who knows me from Instagram who works at Planned Parenthood in Chicago um, was like familiar with Shout Your Abortion on a national level and um, contacted me about getting some of our zines. And she asked, you know, they're amazing. Can I make copies of them? And I was like, yes, please make as many copies as you want. And so they're like in the waiting room in one of the Planned Parenthood locations in Chicago. And, um, and she's told me that like people, like patients really love seeing them. They love reading them, that it's like actually been like a really cool thing to have in the you know in the waiting room there yeah that's amazing because um, it, it I mean pamphlets are terrible generally so <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it's, that's such a great thing to have that's amazing yeah it makes me it's really nice when a thing you set an object out into the world and then it actually replicates itself and does that which it has the potential to do but like you know you can't necessarily control whether or not it does that yeah absolutely sometimes a lot of things that need to be seen don't get to be seen so that's really cool that that I mean that's like one of the positive things about social media and I feel like I mean definitely something I appreciate about feminist movements is I feel like we have a tendency to have a lot of oversharing and that's good (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really huge advocate for oversharing. I think it's really important. And I, I feel like I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, yeah, I feel like people, especially who once were in punk scenes or still are, like tend to be that way, especially like a lot of my female friends that when, you know, in college doing zines and punk stuff and all that and we're all tend to be a little bit more like willing to talk about all the nitty gritty things much more so than other people. And I think that's such an important thing. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 um, and that like, it really is a very like genteel, like sort of polite society affect to be very unrevealing to an extent, you know, to sort of think like, oh, this is not suitable for conversation. Right. You know, obviously people are reserved for different reasons, but when one is sort of of the opinion, like, oh, you know, this is not like polite conversation, that tends to, I think, be rooted in like a very sort of uh, particular type of like waspy. (laughs) Totally, totally. You know, upper class sort of gentility. Yeah, absolutely. It's like very conservative and prudish. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) But I like I personally love seeing people I mean, especially actually you in your presence on Instagram and like talking about chronic illness and I have a few other friends that get to do that and like, oh, that's great because I don't really talk about it that much. And it's like it feels really affirming to know that other people have these experiences. And that's exactly how it is with, I think, Shout Your Abortion. I think that's why it's so great. Yeah. And something that, um, you know, like you just mentioned that, you know, for example, like illness is maybe not a thing that you talk about often. And that's something that I also like definitely want to highlight with the work that Shout Your Abortion does. You know, sometimes people like I think it's always really important for us to make it clear that like we are only providing a space for people and encouraging them to share their stories if they want to. Yeah. You know, and I think that sometimes just having the space to see other people's stories can obviate the need for anybody to share their own. And that can be a good thing, you know, like not everybody needs to be really forthcoming about very private experiences. Um, But I do think that if other people are down to do it, then that actually can, you know, it can provide a lot of, um, comfort for people who maybe aren't really interested in sharing their own experiences, but want to see a narrative that maybe reflects their own out in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think even people who are really like, I don't know, not opposed, but feel like really uncomfortable sharing, just being able to hear those stories and see them more is 
I don't know. I think it helps them be more willing to share and like, at least with somebody, you know, telling somebody mm-hmm. that you went through the experience, I think is really important. And so if that, if that does that, that's so amazing. Yeah, I think that, and that's another, I mean, that's like another thing that hopefully the work that we do helps accomplish is to normalize the conversation about abortion. I mean, abortion is a very common procedure. Um, The number used to be that like one in three American women would have an abortion by the age of 40. Um, That number has actually gone down to one in four. um, Oh, really? Like the latest statistics. And that's because of improved access to birth control, I think. I think so too. Um, And, you know, and plan B. Um, but, um, you know, the point remains that like between 25 and 30% of adult American, uh, people with uteruses, uh, have abortions by the time they reach age 40. Um, so it's a really common procedure. Yeah. I love that, uh, that statistic and uh, for anybody who's opposed to abortion to hear that that's something that's going down is... Yeah, no, yeah it's great. statistically like... impossible <laughs> for you to not know somebody who's had an abortion. Right. It's statistically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and having better access to birth control helps reduce that number if that's something you're concerned about. <laughs> yeah, yes. especially Plan B. I mean, I feel like that was something that, I don't know, when I was in high school, it was like impossible to get. But now is so easy to get and then that's amazing yeah depending on where you live it is yeah real that's easy true. to get depending on where you live which yeah brings us to that whole thing um sh- with shout your abortion do they exist in places where uh like abortion access isn't as readily available as it is here do you know yeah i mean we definitely like there are people who you know are members of the network in in every state okay um i don't know in like which cities necessarily people might be active um like i know that that in brooklyn like me and laurel are probably like among the more active uh chapters yeah um but there are people you know who are members in some way uh in every state that's great and and i think there are what there are like at least there, there are multiple states that have only one clinic, right? There's yeah, um, Mississippi. I think that like one or both of the Dakotas. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Indiana. So there's definitely shout your abortion activity sometimes in places where abortion isn't really a reality for people because it's not accessible. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I know it's not like to be bringing more access to abortion, but I feel like just keeping that conversation going in these movements like really does inspire a lot of change. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, it, it's like a lot of, uh, mm, sorry, what's the, I'm like trying to make a connection between like, almost like sort of these publicity campaigns and like, the ways that those can actually still cause change, even though um, the campaign itself maybe didn't accomplish a change. So like Women on Waves, for example. Um, oh, is yeah. A, I would love for you to talk about that a little yeah. bit. So Women on Waves is an amazing organization. They are so cool. Um, uh, they're founded by a woman, a doctor named uh, Rebecca Gompert. And she was a doctor with Greenpeace on one of their ships. Um, And she, in, I think in like 2000, she launched a campaign. Um, They outfitted a ship um, with, oh yeah, so she's from the Netherlands. Um, In the Netherlands, abortion is legal, medical abortion is legal. And she had the idea that if they had a ship registered under, um, you know, as a Dutch sailing vessel, um, then they could provide abortions in international waters because if they took place on the boat, then it was subject to Dutch law. Right. Okay. So and cool. So they did um, 
several campaigns in the first, uh, I think in the first few years that they, they've done a campaign like every one and a half or two years, um, always bringing the boat to a country where abortion is illegal or very heavily restricted. Um, and two of the, like two of the sort of, um, successes that have come out of that um or or you know that maybe haven't come out of it but are somewhat related um you know ireland yeah which is um that that campaign is, which a, is a good example actually of how change happened yeah um and and you know i think just like any of these like smaller ca- publicity campaigns that just draw attention to the fact that abortion is really restricted in a given country is helpful in galvanizing people yeah um so, like, they did a drone campaign, actually, in Ireland, um, where they used drones to fly. Um, I think they did it in Northern Ireland. They used drones to fly um, misoprostol, which is one of the pills used to induce a medical abortion, um, like, over the border. Amazing. I didn't know um, that, actually. And then in Poland, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what the law is now in Poland, but do you remember the, you know, the protests from a few years ago where there was like a sea of like black umbrellas mm-hmm. um, where like all these women, uh, people uh, demanding abortion access. And one of the leaders of that movement was someone who had actually like volunteered on the ship and like, you know, worked really closely with women on waves. Awesome. Um, and now I want to look up what like the Polish abortion law is because I'm not a hundred percent sure that yeah uh, it's I actually it's don't know. still banned but there was a huge I think it's still banned but it, there was like this huge protest it was like thirty thousand women went on strike and um. Yeah, and I, and I do think that Women on Waves did somehow contribute to that, you know, given that a lot of these people saw their campaign in Poland and were, like, very... It got a lot of national media attention. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I think... I mean, it was so cool to see in Ireland how that happened, that, like, Repeal the Eights project just making... It started off just making, like, sweatshirts and trying to get this bill passed, and it just, like, took over and... It was yeah, so cool, so cool that it yeah, it was and you really got to, amazing. Yeah, and I and got to be got there. To it was be so there, cool. <laughs> and it was great because I, I mean, I figured that, like, of course, the youth are going to vote for it, and everybody I knew was very much supportive. But I was really concerned that, like, especially, I mean, there's so much space there that isn't the city that is really conservative, and but also just it's a really traditional country, and the people that are older, I figured generally just wouldn't be into it, which was such a, a blind side on my part. It was like interesting to see all these people in like middle aged who were really like, of course, of course we should have abortion. That was amazing. I feel like yeah. I don't even hear that here. <laughs> yeah, not really. Like, or at least because abortion itself is not technically up for debate, you know, it's not like we're having a it's, it's never, it hasn't at least recently been on the table. Like, oh, are we outlawing this thing entirely? People try to be really sneaky about it, you know, with trap laws. and Right, exactly. Whatnot. Um, so people just don't really discuss it. Um, man, I spent so much time crying after, um, <laughs> after that vote. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it was really, really powerful. <laughs> uh, and watching, like, all of the videos of, Watching the videos of people flying home from like around the world to vote, like I'm actually tearing up right now thinking about it. Like that was yeah, that felt really, really insane and really powerful to just. Yeah. It was. I I remember when we were there. Um, someone was telling a story about this woman. I guess I don't know. It was like some some person's friend who lived in. I don't know, another country couldn't get home and like posted about it on Twitter, how they like wanted to get home, but couldn't afford it. And this woman reached out and was like, I had an abortion. I will like pay for you to come home and like picked him up from the airport with all these like Irish candies and things. Yeah. And that was happening 
all over. Like there were there were a few Facebook groups and Twitter feeds where if somebody was having trouble getting home, like people from all over would either were jumping into like get them on a plane. Um, and then also like people were arranging, were like volunteering their cars. Yeah. They're like, hey, I will pick people up from the airport and drive them to any of these like three towns. Um, and I will continue to go back and forth and do that all day as long as I can, you know, until the polling stations close. There was this amazing like it's so just great. like the entire community of, of of strangers really came together to like get as many people to the polling stations as possible. Yeah. And yeah, I have a friend who um, lives here and she's lived here for so long that like she couldn't vote there, but went home so she could drive her grandmother to go vote. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. That was the most inspiring thing to, to witness, to see like that's real change happening. And it was started by just like a small number of people. And it's so great to know that, you know, that's possible and we can do it. Yeah, and I and one of the things that was really inspiring about that and that like I feel like that should really be that's maybe good advice for us to take here. Um Yes, that's what I was thinking. Is that like we should we can't rely on democratic politicians to solve our problems. And one of the issues that I really take with a lot of the larger um, reproductive rights organizations, and I understand why they adopt a more conservative stance, but you know what happens when you don't aggressively fight things sometimes is that your rights get very slowly eroded and shipped away at. Right. Um, And, you know, and a lot of those organizations, I mean, they do amazing work. and I feel like I should go on record as saying that I'm not representing shout your abortion when I say this. I'm representing my own opinions. Yeah. But they're more conservative. They will endorse more conservative, safer politicians who honestly, like, aren't really up for a fight most of the time. Yeah. Right. And, and, I, do, and I think that, like, trying to organize around referendum is maybe the direction that we should consider moving in totally um, when it comes to protecting reproductive health care access because what's been ha- what we've been doing so far hasn't been working right there have been very few victories on a legislative level that I can think of um, yeah I agree I think I mean I think that these movements um, you know, however indirect they are, it's just so important to keep them alive. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I think, you know, shout your abortion. Yeah. You're not like going in and changing bills, but just the fact that you exist and you're giving voices to people and making these stories heard is so, so crucial. Um, <laughs> and I just would love to hear, um, like your story if you're interested in sharing it and like yeah okay cool yeah um so I had an abortion when I was 20 um and I guess and that is really what you know got me very interested in reproductive justice work um which I wish I could spend more time doing unfortunately I can't yeah because it doesn't pay the bills. It certainly but... doesn't. It's crazy, and it should, but yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had an abortion when I was 20. It was um, the summer before my senior year of college. And, um, and, and for me, my whole experience was really marked by, 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 uh, my immense privilege um and and that is and that is what actually i think really made me more interested in reproductive justice was that like i had the easiest time ever getting an abortion um you know i found out <laughs> i was pregnant i because i missed my period i took a pregnancy test um it showed that i was pregnant i was able to very quickly get an appointment with my gynecologist um I had insurance. Uh, I ended up going to a separate, a different private clinic, but if I, to get my procedure, but if I had wanted to, I could have actually gone to my, my GYN 
his father, who's also a GYN, um, provides abortions. And so I could have had it done in that same office. I could have gone to Planned Parenthood. I could have gone to Choices. I could have gone to, you know, in New York, there are a lot of different places that you can actually get this procedure done. Um, it's great your uh, GYN does them. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that was very – so he didn't, but his, his father did. Um, okay, yeah. But yeah, that I mean that that is actually fairly rare that you would be able to. Yeah, get that, that is rare, and it's sad. It really that shouldn't be the case. I think in an ideal world, every gynecologist would provide that service. Right. It's, so at least an early term abortion. I mean, yeah, it's so easy. It, it look like the, the the physical procedure itself is extremely easy and simple. Yeah, um, it is. I I know you're doing um, the you're going to become an abortion doula. Yeah, yeah. I have not you get to the clearance. Okay, but I am I'm working on that. Have you done the training? Um, yeah, I did do the training. Okay, did um, you do the thing with the papaya? Yeah, yeah. So like. <laughs> basically you're performing an abortion on a papaya and it is so simple and that's all it is yeah it's yeah it's just it is like it's crazy how hard it is to for people to get certified in doing this like you you don't learn it in med school you have to go and do a separate training and like that's going to be a big problem I think is having enough care providers yeah definitely um sorry get back to your story (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it was really easy for me to get the procedure done and I had support from my mom um you know I had enough money personally to cover it um Mm -hmm. which is another you know that's just another privilege um I also had uh fairly good health insurance which ended up covering the procedure in full. And in fact, so I got a student discount on the abortion. Um, I paid $400 instead of $600 for um, uh, uh, the vacuum, um, the aspiration procedure, Mm -hmm. Um, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically you use vacuum suction to, um, to evacuate the contents of the pregnancy from the uterus. Um, it takes like 10 minutes. It's a very quick, simple procedure. Um, and it's used for, uh, first trimester abortions. Um, so I, you know, I, I only paid $400 for it. Uh, and then I got reimbursed by my insurance company for $580. Amazing. (laughs) Um, They somehow didn't, even though it showed that I only paid 400, they, Somebody made a mistake and reimbursed me for more than my abortion cost. So I got paid to have an abortion, <laughs> um, which I think is very funny. Uh, and yeah, I think that's so great. <laughs> and I ended up, I donated that money. I did not immediately donate it, but a few years later, I donated that same amount um, to uh, the New York Abortion Access Fund. Awesome. Um because, you know, it, that wasn't, that profit was not mine to have, you know? Yeah. Even though, like, yeah, it was an insurance screw up and, like, I would have been, I suppose, perfectly entitled to it. But, you know, where do I get off pocketing that money that I didn't necessarily need a few years later when that could be going towards helping somebody else um, access an abortion? Yeah, that's great that you did that. I totally agree. Thanks. And also so cool that that happened. I know. (laughs) I'm the only person that I know who's gotten paid to have an abortion. And I've heard a lot of abortion stories. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, so every step of the way, this was really my experience was marked by by an immense privilege that I am like so grateful to have. You know, I came from a really um, like I come from a very politically radical family. Um, I have been going to, like my mom first brought me to a, you know, abortion rights protest when I was like two years old. Amazing. Um, and, you know, so I, 
I had no moral qualms about having the procedure done. I could tell my mother about it um, because she and I enjoy a very close relationship. She was very supportive. She, you know, could have helped me pay for it if I had needed the money. Um, I live in New York City, so it was really easy for me to get, you know, to find a clinic that was extremely close. The one that I went to was two miles, I think, from my house. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another privilege that a lot of people don't get to enjoy. And I had insurance that covered it. Um, And so many people don't have one or any of those things. And there are so many barriers to getting, you know, adequate healthcare. Um, And, and, and so that made me realize like really how lucky I was. And definitely like made me make the decision that like, okay, I'm going to do something in the future to help other people enjoy the same access that I did. Yeah. That's um and something that I think is important to note that um certainly that the doula project emphasizes and this is um like a, a tenet of um like the reproductive justice movement which is a, a social movement started by Black women, um, the Sister Song Collective um, kind of like coined and publicized that phrase in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that like previously, like the reproductive rights movement has focused on abortion as a choice. And you can't have a there's no choice where you don't have access. Right. Um, a choice is a privilege that is largely bestowed upon upper middle class white women. Right. Um, and a lot of other people, uh, those from particularly from marginalized communities don't have a choice. They don't have access. Yeah, that's true. I think that's such an important thing to underline. Um, and yeah, the doula collective or the doula collective, the doula project does a really good job about talking through that. Um, yeah. And there's, I think, you know, for people that are working in this field or who want to be a part of it, there's like ways that you can support people who are directly supporting that aspect of it, like Ancient Song Doula Services. Um, they're in bed and they do, they provide full spectrum doula care to people that are low income and also provide training for people to become doulas and full spectrum doulas. Um, for a lower cost and it's you know they're mostly serving more marginalized communities and all that stuff is very important to like give your money to them support them because that's what we need yeah and that's something that I really appreciate about the doula project and just these more radical doula groups or you know reproductive justice groups is that they take an intersectional approach Mm -hmm. um, and they understand that like, you know, you really need to center marginalized communities. You need to provide, you know, these are where the services are needed the most. Um, These are the people who already suffer significantly from discrimination that like directly correlates with, you know, poorer health outcomes right right yeah that's like the biggest reason for poor health outcomes Mm -hmm. (laughs) racism and classism it's crazy yeah yeah and uh, yeah I, I think it's so so great to to have these groups that are trying to make a difference and it's interesting with like doula work because you know, it's, it's something that's so needed for everybody and that, you know, that being births or postpartum or for abortion or like, I feel like I need a doula just to go to the doctor, honestly. And, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it can become a very tricky thing because we're kind of, we're commodifying something that is like a basic need, I think. And yeah, yeah it becomes a really tricky thing to navigate, but yeah, I, I think I mean, there's been a lot of talk about making it something that is publicly available. Like Cuomo started talking about doulas and how. Yeah, he's to... definitely not going to do. I it. don't think so at all. But it's like, 
at least it was mentioned. <laughs> it's a good political talking point for him. It is. is basically his entire platform is is talking. <laughs> I'll talk about this stuff and I'll get a few policies passed and then if you look really closely at those policies you see that they exist solely on paper and the real details of it mean that I essentially passed a completely meaningless law that doesn't actually accomplish anything. Right, right. So <laughs> useless, but also I would love to see that like those sorts of things get some more oomph behind them that pass. Yeah, because, totally. You know, and, and I know that nothing's going to happen. And this is such a thing that like I know actually Ancient Song has held a lot of meetups about talking about that conversation and trying mm-hmm. to figure out like what that would mean for doulas even. And because that's a whole other conversation. But right. I think you know, just the fact that it was something that was brought up on the mainstream to get people to think about like, oh, we can have this. This is something that people oh, yeah. need, you know, it's, it's just I'm happy like, for Cuomo to, to be talking about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just doubt that. Oh, yeah. Nothing will nothing's happen, gonna on, happen on his end. <laughs> Maybe if Cynthia Nixon becomes our governor. I feel like that could really that things could really happen with her, especially in for reproductive yeah. health. I'm I'm into I it. I feel hopeful. Um, I mean, to whatever extent that I can feel politically hopeful. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> which is very minimal. <laughs> yeah. But also, I mean, I felt like, I mean, our country's in shambles, but, um, you know, after being in Ireland and seeing that happen, and, and I think it's so important to, like, in all of this horror, just to try to hold on to that, those like little glimmers of hope that, you know, things could change and maybe we can turn things around. And even if it's on a small scale, at least it's something. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we actually just had um, a really um, awesome and sort of unexpected um political thing happened last night in New York um, where this young woman, this young Latina woman from the Bronx, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in her first run for political office, she beat the incumbent uh, Democratic um, congressman who has been in office for like 20-something years and hasn't had anybody run up against him since 2004 wow that's crazy Um, yeah so she represents or will be well i mean it's assumed that she's going to win so she beat him in the primary which is so cool he was actually the number four house democrat and people a lot of people thought that he would he was vying for nancy pelosi's seat as speaker of the uh you know as the minority speaker Mm -hmm. um if she were to step down but she beat him in the Democratic primary and assuming that she'll beat the Republican candidate and her district is predominantly Democratic, then like that's huge. Yeah. Um, that's she's amazing. a DSA member. I think she was, I think she might have organized for I think she might have done some organizing on like the Bernie Sanders campaign. Like she's like a, a genuine progressive. Um she's not a a traditional democrat at all and like though like that's a small victory that like makes me really hopeful like oh cool there's a woman my age from my city who's also a woman of color who just beat out this like old white democrat dude that's amazing it's so exciting i know (laughs) yeah yeah it's that's a really cool thing to see for sure i would love for her to win i hope she does I think she will. Yeah, it seems like she will. I'd be surprised if she doesn't. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, well, I I don't want to take up much more of your time. I know you're on a timeline. Do you have anything else you want to share? Um, I guess just do, like, a few quick, like, things I wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, which is the... Uh, Laurel, my co-organizer, and I were given um, a really awesome opportunity to interview Dr. Rebecca Gompertz from Women on Waves. Awesome. Um, for our friend Meg's uh, magazine, which is called Got a Girl Crush. Um, they're on Instagram, Got a Girl Crush, or you can go to gotagirlcrush.com. Cool. 
And our interview is in the newest issue. Um, that was really incredible uh, to actually like have a Skype conversation with her and ask her all these questions about her work. Um, and also our friend Meg is the best. Got a girl, got a girl crush is a really cool zine. Uh, or magazine it's like actually printed and nice it is not photocopied that's awesome Um, I'll link to that that's so cool (laughs) and then otherwise I would just encourage people to um, visit shoutyourabortion.com that is run by you know the Seattle like the main branch they um, you can submit stories um, and videos to the website and they have merch and stuff um and then on facebook we are we have a facebook group that you can request to join it's just s-y-a-b-k okay i think it's like face i can i can just send you those links later um if that helps i can get it yeah that would be great actually cool um Um, yeah and can people get involved with the brooklyn chapter at all is that possible yeah we would love that. Okay, cool. I actually would love to. I'd love to help in any way I can. Awesome. Yeah, we basically, like, we need, we don't do a ton of events, um, but we do need people to occasionally, like, volunteer to work one of our events with us um, or to, you know, help put together zines or if you have institutional access um, and can get free photocopies made, that is a huge huge help um there are a lot of like small things that involve very minimal time commitment that we could always use help with um make a huge difference yeah totally yeah and so i'll give you my email address later that you can link to okay awesome people can get in touch that way yeah it would be cool i was um i'm doing this menstruation educators training that i don't know if you know the fifth vital sign Um, oh no Oh, it's really, I feel like you'd be, you'd be interested. It's really cool. Um, But yeah, it's, I don't know, they're doing this thing called conversations in community. So it's all these people from all over the country, like coming together to learn about like body literacy and how to teach it to people. Um, Oh, that sounds so cool. Yeah, it's great. But uh, yeah, we were talking about like, just, you know, the need for community and like, I don't know, especially as a doula, I'm always giving people like references to new mom groups and support groups and stuff. But I feel like people who aren't moms don't really have that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm always, I don't know, I'm interested in having more events and more just like spaces to have these conversations. I yeah, think that would be great. Yeah. So yeah, well, thank you so much. I will put all that stuff in the show notes and congratulations on everything. It sounds like things are pretty exciting right now. Yeah, I we've got like... Got some cool stuff in the works and yeah, some cool stuff that just came out. So I'm feeling, feeling very positive. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. Well, yeah, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Great to talk to you you too. Bye. Bye. Hi everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I certainly did. I just want to say that if anybody wants to come on and share their story, I'd love to have you. I think the more the merrier in terms of abortion stories, but really all reproductive health stories. It's stuff that we need to keep talking about and normalizing and understanding that, you know, we're not alone in this. Um, and we got to hear it. People who might not want to hear it, got to hear it. So, So keep shouting your abortions and tell your stories. Tell me about what's going on. I'd love to have you on. Um, You can reach out on Instagram at wildwombdoula or you can email me at services at gmail.com. I hope I hear from you. Have a lovely day. Thanks for being a part of this.